Welcome to the Made Up Savannah podcast. I'm your host, Dee Daniels, and I'm very excited to be welcoming several guests on this episode. We were so proud to be a part of a huge event over the weekend called Give a Palooza. And it really was about giving back to so many wonderful organizations. One of those organizations I'm talking to right now, uh, I've got the executive director of America's Second Harvest of Coastal Georgia, Mary Jane Crouch. Mary Jane, thank you so much for being here and chatting with us. What a great event it was over the weekend. I know what fun, you know, just everything going on and all the activity and seeing so many people come out to visit and see what's going on, but also to support the nonprofits that were there. You know, all of us are so appreciative of the support of the people of Savannah. Oh, it's so wonderful to see people turn out. And I think, you know, it's such a great time to shine a light on what you guys are doing and how much the need is there. Talk a little bit about your area of coverage and what people are doing when they come and give and drop off food, how they are helping people in our very own community. Well, we cover 21 counties in coastal Georgia, so we have a lot of people in our areas that are at risk for hunger. And, you know, right now with everything that's going on with inflation and food costs and transportation costs, you know, you just never know who the person you're talking to or walking beside or sitting next to at, at a service is possibly someone that is at risk for hunger. You know, a lot of families have their budgets very well planned and they have a child that's sick and they have to buy medicine or they have to have a flat tire fixed and the money that they have to pay for that was their food budget. So a lot of families right now are struggling just to be able to put food on the table. We're seeing about a 30% increase in requests for food assistance from people. You know, we had the pandemic when things were just crazy and then things calmed back down and then things have really gone back up in the last couple months, um, along with the fact that a lot of people that normally might be doing food drives for us aren't able to do those food drives because they're struggling to put food on their own tables. So this opportunity in this event helps us be able to have those items. You know, we think about a jar of peanut butter. It's always in our cabinet. Right. But, you know, it's kind of like I, you know, when my children look in the cabinet, they go, what do I want to eat? Mm. A lot of children look in the cabinets and say, is there anything to eat? Mm. And a lot of seniors, you know, we hear about seniors that struggle, you know, to get, you know, food for their pets and food and, you know, that helps also. So, you know, food for their pets and food for them on the nights and weekends when maybe they don't get assistance from Meals on Wheels or anything. So just being able to know that we can give them the food that will get them through is so important. And our community is just just the people that show up and have that heart for making sure that people in our the people in the community at risk have access. Yeah, it's so important. And, you know, I think it's very interesting. You were talking about uh, how the 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 increase is certainly happening and people are are really struggling in a lot of areas. And I think, too, there is something about, um, you know, people sometimes being afraid to reach out for the help that they need because, you know, there is that stigma around, you know, well, I, I I'm struggling and I don't want everybody to know that. But the fact of the matter is, you know, the the numbers that we have for our community, imagine how many more are wanting help, right? And that maybe they will actually go get it. So those numbers probably would increase even more if those if those were people were able and felt comfortable to say, I do need the help, actually. Yeah. And, you know, we try very, very hard to make sure that people feel very comfortable doing that. You know, we work with about 
240 nonprofit organizations that, you know, we are kind of the middleman that brings the food into the food bank for a lot of those organizations. And then they can come to us to get it. So if we're picking up at a grocery store, at a farmer or somewhere like that farm, they can come to us and get the food. So they're not having to go to the various places. And that not only helps the people that are donating to us, but it also helps those people that they come and it's kind of a one-stop place that they can go. But, you know, we see, you know, we do, we provide the food for over 15,000 backpacks every month. So when you think about that, that, that's a lot of food that we are bringing in to be able to send right back out to the community. And, and that's a great way to help. You know, we do some programs for senior citizens, you know, we buy a lot of food, a lot of produce to try to make sure we're putting healthy things in people's diets. So overall, we realize that. But we also realize that, you know, COVID shines such a light on people that live paycheck to paycheck that now it's not quite as bad of people reaching out when they need food assistance. And there's so many people that maybe prior to COVID didn't realize it was an issue And now they realize it's an issue that they're even more willing when they see that situation that, you know, they may offer it and try to just say, hey, you know, you hear about the people like the person counting out the dollars at the grocery store and the guy behind them says, hey, here you go. Why don't I get them for you this week? Mm. And prior to COVID, that wasn't as much as it, it is now. Right. Right. That's true. And, you know, a lot of times I, you know, I run across people, Mary Jane, that are very much in a position where they want to help uh, all of these people in need. And yet they don't seem to maybe know how, you know, how can I how can I help like in a way where I know it's and know it's going to make a difference? I, I just don't know where what the outlets are, where I can drop off food. Can I write a check if if maybe that's an easier thing to do? What, what do you tell those folks that I know are interested in helping? Well, you know, there are a variety of ways they can help. You know, they can come and volunteer. You know, we prepare 4,000 meals every day in our kitchen. And we do that with about 10 to 15 volunteers Monday through Friday prepping those meals and helping us. If we had to go out and hire 10 to 15 more people, we could never do what we do. So they can call us and arrange to volunteer for us. Um, In May, we're going to be packing around 68,000 breakfasts that we're going to send out this summer to kids that aren't in school. And we are going to be begging for volunteers to come in and help us pack those breakfasts. So, and it's going to, we are going to order all the items and then we're going to pack them to save a lot of money, to be honest with you. And we do that with volunteers mm-hmm. doing food jobs at your office and so doing food jobs in your neighborhood um, is one way that you can help. Um, and, you know, for every not for every dollar donated to us, 96 cent goes directly to a program. So, you know, we are very proud of that, that we are very much, you know, we we always say, you know what, we're the the person that, you know, really and truly stretches that dollar as much as we possibly can. So, you know, writing that check, we go out and buy food. You know, that's what we're doing a lot right now. We're running low and we've spent quite a bit of money on food in the last few months to make sure we have food for people. Oh, I'm sure. Is it easy for a business to set up a a food drive and a bin at their office? Is that an easy thing to do? It is easy. All they have to do is call us. They can either drop by and pick up a bin. If we're in the area, we'll drop a bin off for them. You saw how cute those boxes are. So, you know, they're great and they just fit. And then they can either drop it back off or call us when it's full and we'll come pick it up. 
I mean, that is how we do a lot of the things that we do is through different corporations and places that are like, you know what, I can clean up my pantry, I can do all sorts of things. That's right. Absolutely. And, you know, I think too, uh, you know, I see people bringing food and dropping it off in, in the bins and it, it is, you can tell immediately how, how good that feels for them to know that they're really helping out their neighbor. And, and that's a wonderful thing. When people do drop off at Ben's, what kinds of foods are you looking for something specific or what's Well, what's we always love protein items because that's where a lot of seniors have a real hard time getting protein in their diet because protein is most expensive. So we love like, we always call it meal in a can, like beef stew, or, you know, maybe it's a chicken noodle soup so that they've got the protein in the chicken or peanut butter is always, always one of the hot things that we just can't seem to keep enough of because that's seniors. And that's also for backpack programs. We have school pantry programs. Um, so that's really a big thing that they, you can always give. Uh, but those are really the things. But right now we actually are buying a lot of canned vegetables. Um, we're not getting a lot of them donated. So, you know, canned right. corn, canned peas, uh, things like that, that we can put in a box and give out at one of our mobile food pantries. Uh, the boxes of macaroni and cheese, we cannot keep that on the shelves. As soon as we get it, it's gone. So anything like that is always great. You know, we always say we take whatever we get and we find somewhere that we can use it. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure of that. Now, uh, you were talking about people calling you or, and and picking up bins and, and dropping off anything that they want to drop off. I'm sure it's easy to do uh, right there on the hub on your website. They can probably find all of that. Right. Absolutely. And that's helpendhunger.org. And it's all spelled out. And gosh, and you know, I, I love I love the name of the website because really, isn't that what we're all interested in doing, right? Yeah, I mean, if we all pitched in at one time, I feel like we would make such such a difference. Yeah, it is. I mean, you think about the people, and and I will tell you, Savannah is such a philanthropic city. It is unbelievable the people that support all of the nonprofits in our community, um, and you know. As you're at the grocery store, you know, think about I can pick up an extra jar of peanut butter mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe I can get my neighborhood to do a food drive. Yeah. And so easy to do when you're just, hey, I'm already at the store and I'm already doing these things and I do need to clean out my pantry and that sort of thing. I, I think it's wonderful. Mary Jane Crouch, Executive Director of America's Second Harvest of Coastal Georgia. Thanks so much for being a part of the the weekend event, the Give a Palooza. And, and thanks for doing what you do in the community. I know you guys are on the front line and, and we appreciate what you're doing. And I know people want to get behind it. Well, thank you. And thank you all for including us this weekend. It was unbelievable. Like, it's just so great to see the community come together. One of the very, very wonderful people who helped put it all together, Jason Baggett, uh, is a wonderful realtor here with Cork and Austin Hill Real Estate. And he's here with us to chat about this. This was a fun event. Yes, yes. It was so great having the different organizations come out. Um, every time we can get our pets out of the shelter and visibility, whether they're adopted or not, that's fantastic. And being able to uh, connect with the Blood Connection and partner in with um, Second Harvest as well. Yeah. Um, I think just the more 
um, community involvement that we can drive towards these nonprofits, the better. Oh, definitely. You know what? And I, I saw a lot of people coming by and learning about a lot of these uh, organizations for the first time, which I think is great. You know, uh, with the Blood Connection, they had a great table outside. And, and of course, with Coastal Putt Rescue, how can you pass the up, you know, coming <laughs> okay. and visiting with these adorable dogs? They won't let you. Um, and then even with uh, America's Second Harvest, you know, I mean, just so many I think new faces on and new eyes onto a lot of these organizations. I know you've got some personal connection, you know, and, and you've really gotten to be really good friends with a lot of these organizations. And I know you even work with coastal pet rescue a lot um, and, and volunteer with them a lot. So talk a little bit about your, your personal connection to that. So I've um, always tried to uh, stay involved in some way or other with um, uh, pet rescue. So even back in Atlanta, before I moved to Savannah, I would, I would try to find an uh, organization to work with. But here, um, I actually took some time off when I uh, transitioned from Atlanta to Savannah. And I took that time to volunteer with different organizations. Mm -hmm. And Coastal Pet Rescue is one that kind of just stole my heart, um, obviously, because I love dogs and animals right, in general. Right. Um, and they have such a great need for volunteers. Um, it's it's one of those kind of forgotten opportunities for mm. people to give back, I think. Right. Um, and it's just such a great experience when you can see the, uh, like, you can see dogs smile. I mean, right. quite literally. Yeah. And so it just makes you feel good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the, we talked about one time how, you know, there was a week or two where I just didn't have energy mm -hmm. um, and and decided, you know, I'm going to volunteer for five days in a row to yeah. kind of get back to, I would do once or twice a week and yeah. just kind of series of days. And I felt so much better after that week. Brought you back into your place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it does that. And I love that. And, and I feel like that's, that's the whole message that we want to get across with all of these organizations is like, if you would just take a minute, take a day, take an afternoon, you know, once a week, once a month, whatever it is you have, it makes you feel so much better. Oh, for sure. Even um, I've done some uh, very small uh, kind of packing events at the Second Harvest location. And they have, uh, you know, one of their volunteer leads, uh, her name is Emily, just such energy, uh, so fun to be around. And so there's only two or three of us sometimes, but it's just great. It's great energy. You know, you're giving back. Um, and it's, yeah, I've kind of developed what I'm calling my little a triangle of nonprofits and I'm ah, trying to support. Yes, and yes. so um, pets with Coastal Pet Rescue, right. uh, people and food, obviously, yeah. with the Second Harvest, yeah. and then Savannah Tree Foundation is yeah. kind of supporting our environment in our city. So yeah. those are kind of the, those are the three that I focus the most on, but I also like to volunteer with others like Ronald McDonald House and things like that. But right. um, I've decided those are kind of three core that I want to focus on the most. I think that's perfect. And of course, I can't have you chatting on the podcast for too long without talking a little bit about real estate. Yes. Um, because also a big passion of yours. Yes. And I think that's something as far as like when people are coming by our offices here at uh, 251 Bull Street, we're at such a great corner at Bull Street and Liberty. You know, we're in the heart of the historic district. And a lot of people are visiting all the time with Savannah. We really don't have a down season anymore and that sort of thing. And I, I feel like there are so many questions. And one of the biggest questions that I hear, and I'm sure you hear too, how in the world can I get from where I am, wherever you are in the world, to living in this wonderful place? It's possible. And we hear that question a lot. And how do you answer it? Absolutely. So it's to be honest, what I do is try to encourage people to not just take the standard tours. 
right? Um, explore around mm. Savannah. So I think to me, the magic of Savannah is not just our beautiful squares or the parks in Ardsley or Forsyth. It's actually getting out to the beaches and the surrounding communities as well. Um, and I think that is, the, the waterfronts, the the number of boats uh, that you see on the water and the number of waterfront options to go and just stroll along. Um, that's what I encourage people to do. And it's, it's so funny. I've actually had clients that were walk-ins and they were here for three days. Um, and they said, you know, we've kind of fallen in love. So I stayed in contact with them and they came in January for 10 days to see if this would be the retirement city. And it took them around for four or five hours. Um, and you know, two days later they called and said, okay, we want to start searching. This is going to be our retirement home, wow. you know, where we want to retire. Right, and right. so, um, they've actually purchased a house and, and they're starting to, uh, make their move. So nice. yeah, I it's great. That. And it, and it is a city that you just fall in love with, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, it's very charming, um, and it grabs you in a, in a lot of ways, uh, or it's a ghost that grabs you. I don't know, but either way, <laughs> something grabs could you. Could be, could be. Something grabs you, and it's pretty, pretty good. Um, well, anyway, this has been such a, a great event. We were really, really happy to uh, to host this and be a part of it uh, with Location Gallery and, of course, um, all the wonderful organizations. Make sure you check them out on their websites and their Instagrams and all of the things. The Blood Connection, America's Second Harvest, of course, Coastal Pet Rescue as well. Um, and I got to ask, does Holly know that you were out with all of these dogs today? Oh, goodness. So this is my dog who... Um it's probably going to smell dogs on me. Yeah. And, um, be very, very unhappy with me. I just want to see I how will, you were going to explain yourself when you got home. I will take her to the park immediately after, and then we'll go eat somewhere. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> you're you're going to sugarcoat the whole thing. Absolutely. I, I and she'll get a treat, too, of course. That's like taking flowers home to your significant <laughs> other. I've been thinking about you all day. I have. Um, anyway, Jason, thanks so much uh, for helping to put all of this together. And thank you for your passion behind uh, what you believe in and giving back to the community. I know this is been such a great event that will have a lot of ripple effects i hope so i hope so yeah it's um like i say um if, remember if you're ever low on energy go out and be part of your community um and give back and i think you'll it'll revive you absolutely all right jason thank you thank you Wonderful event. So many great organizations here. So many wonderful things in the community happening. And we had a fabulous artist in-house on the corner. All of that going down too. Michelle Perez. And she's with me right now on the podcast. Michelle, uh, what a fun day. You were actually outside on the corner painting live in front of everyone. That's yeah. not nerve wracking for you, is it? I'm kind of used to it. I do it often at Forsyth Park. I go out there with my art and I set up somewhere and I just paint. That's, I mean, I would be a little too nervous doing that, but um, I'm glad that that's something that, that's super comfortable for you. Tell me a little bit about what you were painting in front of everyone. How Did you finish? I think so. Okay. <laughs> never finished, but I think so. You know, yeah, that's I just funny. I never do too when I paint. It's never done. Okay. Yeah. You have to just let it go sometimes. Yeah. 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 So what, what did you paint outside? 
Um, I looked for a spot. What street is that even? Oh, so Bull Street Liberty? and Liberty. Yeah, <laughs> I always forget. Yeah, Liberty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I looked, uh, I made sure that the sun wasn't going to be in my face as I painted. That was priority number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little chilly and I get cold easily. So I set up somewhere where I was going to be comfortable. Right. And then I zenned out until now. Oh, nice. Yeah, zenned out. You guys, nice. you just went right focused yeah. in. It feels good. That's awesome. <laughs> That's why I love planaring though, because... As I watch and try to capture the light, the colors that I see before they go away, mm. and they do pretty quickly, Right. I just get lost in, in the light and the yeah. environment. Uh, I, I pick up things that I listen, people covering up conversations, people talking uh, here and there. I took breaks and said hi to the dogs oh, right. from Pet Rescue. Yeah. Almost took one home. Of course. Thankfully, that didn't happen. Yeah. How um, can you not? Yeah, no, but I love plenary. You know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at a lot of your art, and we have a lot of it here in Location Gallery, and, and I know that you've been featured with spare parts and so many wonderful things that have been going on with that. Do you have a favorite um, Do you have a favorite style that you – I know you work a lot with oil. Yeah. Okay. Is that like – My favorite thing? mediums are oil and gouache. Usually anything that I make under – Eight by ten, I like to keep it as a gouache painting if I can. It's just quicker at this point. Um, I do like to make my personal projects with oils. I don't know why they're different. Um, there's a different process. It's not as quick. I'm not trying to get it done quickly. Mm. Um, no, it really depends. Plein airing, it's easier with gouache because everything is so small that transporting things to and from places is just quicker and easier for me than taking my oil easel or my uh, Gamsol or any of that, you know, it's not just water and paint, it's right. paint and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> right, right. Um, talk a little yeah. bit about your inspiration with spare parts, because that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty out there, pretty cool, pretty wild. Uh, Thank you. Vibrant. I mean, a lot of feelings. Yeah. Uh, so this started out Five years ago, I had the worst artist block and I still do this to myself. I come up with all these conceptual ideas that I cannot get from head to paper. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. Um, and I had a lot, I was putting all this pressure on myself and I wasn't painting anything. And I was watching Bob's Burgers. Do you know Bob's Burgers? I love Bob's Burgers. So are you familiar with Tina? Yes. So she's going through puberty. Yes. Loves butts. Yes. And I, I, I jokingly thought like, oh, I should just make her a few butts as a joke for, you know, I, I didn't know what else to paint. I couldn't paint anything. Uh, I had bad artist block. And I made her three little paintings, uh, well, for myself, but I made them for her. Of course. The intention was yeah. for her. Yeah. And they went in my bathroom. And when people came to my house, they went in the bathroom and just came out laughing. <laughs> and that made me so happy. I love that. And at the time, I was setting up another show, and they saw the three little pieces. It was uh, for Sulphur Studios, and they were like, we should, we should have more of those. And so I made them a whole wall. And initially, they were displayed at the St. Jean Bean. And then what didn't sell there sold here mm. at a show right. um, shortly after. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to have a, a combination of butts and then socks because it, it, they're both like intimates, you know. With That's very underwear. true. Yes. And Peter fine, finally gave me the opportunity to fill some walls with, a, with intimate pieces. With intimate little pieces, yeah. <laughs> and the hands were fun, you know. They were like yes. Fun now, like with the hands, and, and I want you to go to Shell Paints on Instagram uh, so you can see see this. 
but with the hands, like, what, did you, did someone pose for that? And then you got the picture yeah. in your mind. How did that go? It was me and my husband. And initially I wanted to have more of them, but they're really hard to do. Mm. Have you ever tried making shadow puppets? Uh, yes, but I'm not. I, I mean, recommend I do trying it. Like they take some kind it. of like a flexibility. Yes, and, I would yeah. imagine. It's, it was a little harder to get the exact shadows with some of them. I uh, exaggerated. Right. And by that, I mean I lied a little. Right. So I couldn't like quite get it. So I drew the shadow the way that I wanted it to be. Right. Um, still matching the hands. But, um, but um, right. <laughs> yeah, they're just, they're just fun pieces. And I've been wanting to paint hands too for a while. I love that. It, well, it's beautiful. I mean, it Thank looks you. like, like it, I mean, you've, I don't know. It just like, I feel... I feel the bone structure almost. Yeah, I it was good practice for that too. Yeah. Um, same with the feet; they were actually harder than the butts to paint because I I couldn't just get the the shading and the the pattern. I couldn't get loose with it because the foot has so much structure that in order for it to look like a foot, I really had to pay attention to the shading around the feet and then around the leg. How, how long does something like that take? The feet took me longer than I wanted to. The hands are pretty quick. Um, I don't know. Those bigger pieces, uh, 12 by 12, is like two, three days, I would say. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was picturing longer, so. Well, I mean. But that's two, a long time. Two, three days of like six to eight hours. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, that's a long time. More or less. You also teach classes, am I right? I do. I teach at the Jepson Center. And can how can people come and get a class from you? Uh, Telfair.org. And then there's a link on my website, or not my website, sorry. There's a link on my uh, Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Easy to find. Um, Shell Paints, which is C-H-E-L yes. Paints. Thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's me. At Instagram. So make sure you uh, check that out as well. Uh, I know this has been, uh, you know, just such a, a fun time for Location Gallery. And I'm excited that you're a part of this community. And, and obviously the community's better for it uh, because you are. Um, so no buts about it. Check nah. out Michelle Perez, <laughs> Shell Paints on Instagram. Thank you for sitting down and talking to us. Thank you for Give a Palooza that happened right here at our offices at Corcoran Austin Hill Realty, 251 Bowl Street. So many great organizations had a chance to be a part of this, including Coastal Pet Rescue. And Jerry Connor is here with me from Coastal Pet Rescue. Jerry, I'm really, really uh, happy that you guys were able to be a part of this. And I see you guys out and about all the time with just the most adorable uh, dogs. And, and of course those dogs are available for adoption, but there's so much more to Coastal Pet Rescue. So tell everybody a little bit about what you guys do and how they can help. Great. Well, thanks Dee for having us. Coastal Pet Rescue this year is 20 years old. Oh, wow. So it was founded in 2003 by Lisa Scarborough, who's still the, the director. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a, rescue organization we rescue and place both dogs and cats oh great and i didn't realize that upwards of 600 a year we i think last year we had over 600 that were placed in homes so it's a great organization um you know we do a lot of community work um, we pull dogs cats from shelters lost dogs um, we've got a facility where we can review them and vet them and get them ready to be rescued 
and we have a great network of foster organizations. So lots of opportunities to volunteer there to foster dogs or to foster cats until we find their homes. So um, working with the local rescues, working with other um, local humane societies and with the uh, animal control groups to um, pull dogs and cats to find them great homes. That's fantastic. And I know a lot of people are interested in how they can help as far as, you know, the things you have going on day to day. And you're talking about your facility and that sort of thing. I'm sure there's volunteer opportunities for people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Probably breaks down into three or four different areas. There are events like we're doing here. So we have volunteers that will bring dogs and cats to these events. And we do sometimes two or three a week. Oh, wow. So, I mean, and you'll see around. So we'll have the pets where they can, you know, meet the public and people can play with them and experience them. So there's, um, and there's also, as you know, the marketing around mm. that and um, getting things together and and pulling them and, and, you know, and also just coordinating that. So there's events that you can volunteer for. And there's, as I said, fostering. So um, it's great. Sign up to be a foster. You go through a little vetting process and then, you know, you can, you know, you can pick, make your choice of dogs or cats that you want to, that you want to foster and the foster programs are great. We take care of everything. So you basically just give them a home, give them love, you know, hopefully, you know, socialize them. It's great when there's other dogs or cats, because really we're, we're trying to evaluate them to figure out what's the best place to place them. So that foster home is the one that can say, ah, they're, they're great with cats or they're great with kids or, or this one likes to climb a fence and you have to be good about that. So (laughs) Volunteering to do fostering is great, and we yeah. always need. I mean, that's the limitation of almost any rescue is you have to have fosters that can take the dogs. Because, as I said, we have a facility, but you know we can only have so many dogs there, and right. that's mostly for incoming or dogs that are sick that we're trying to get ready. Because all the dogs that come in get um, they get properly vetted, they get spay or neutered. Um, a lot of them have medical issues, so you know we go through a lot of that. So um, there's fostering. And then, as we said, that facility, there's also volunteering to come and help us take care of the dogs and the cats, which is like two shifts a day where, you know, the, the dogs need to be fed and walked. Right, and right. Played with and socialized. So, um, you know, although, you know, it may take an hour or two, you know, out of the day, it's it's, you know, it's really critical yeah. for, you know, being able to, to help those dogs. So we've got small dogs, little small dogs cottage with runs. We've got a larger dogs and we've got a cattery with a, with a ton of cats as well. And we have a, a med ward for, you know, dogs or cats that uh, need special attention. So volunteering for, for, um, just man, you know, coming to do those shifts, sign up for a shift morning or afternoon, seven days a week. Right. Dogs, right. Cats have to be, uh, have to be taken care of. Yeah. And it's so rewarding, you know, to do that. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I can't, I can't do that because then I'll end up keeping them forever or, you know, with the fostering. Right, and and right. listen, I, that happens if you're, if you're in a place where you can keep them forever, that's right. great. Um, but I, you know, I remember I fostered two little baby kittens years ago right. and I was, in a place where I was like, yeah, I actually want them to stay in my life, in my life, you know, so I, so I did. And and that was wonderful. Um, But that's not the case for everyone where they can keep them full time. And that's okay, because the fostering process is set up so that you can help care for a certain time. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, and that's the thing, it's totally up to you. Yeah. You know, 
some people, you know, some people are great and, you know, love to have dogs. And most of them have dogs and cats right, as well. Right. So um, they love seeing the dogs come in. They love seeing, you know, them find a great home. Mm-hmm. A lot of our fosters years later are still in touch with, you know, people people that have adopted right. dog that they fostered. Yeah. So they'll get pictures on their birthdays or their adoption days. Aww. So it, it's really great, but it's, it's totally up to you, you know, what you want to do. And it's also great that, you know, um, if the dog gets sick, I mean, again, we'll take care of it. We'll provide food, right. we'll provide bedding, whatever you need to take care of that dog. In addition to, you know, again, if you're going out of town and you're going on vacation, again, we'll figure out, you know, where that dog can go. So you're not, you know, obligated right you know every day so that's you know there's a there's a lot of that as well a lot of upside yeah absolutely and and the i guess the the biggest question is how many pets do you have (laughs) (laughs) well i can say we had a few of what we call those foster fails as well so we've got yeah we've got We've got seven little ones and oh. one big one that we're all, all, all rescues. And that's a full most house of them right are there. most of them are littles and they're small and they're older as well. Aww. We love rescuing older dogs. Of course. Especially with that kind of a big crew, you know, they're older. Um yeah, puppies are always a challenge. Oh, we've, no doubt. We had no our doubt. last puppy maybe about three years ago. Yes. Yeah. That'll probably be the last. I was gonna say, the older you get, it's like, ah, okay, I'm done having a baby in the house. Thank you very much. Well, the best way for folks to get in touch with Coastal Pet Rescue would that be on Instagram, or how how should they get? Right. Well, again, right, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, and the and the website again is is coastalpetrescue.org, and you can go there and and you can look at the you know all the different ways to volunteer and again all the forms again fill out a form if you're if you're not sure about fostering fill out the form. We'll go through the vetting process and then, you know, then you can wait till the the pet that you want to foster comes along. But, you know, once that's once that happens, um, you know, you're already done. Same with same with rescuing as well. You can fill out a form. You can get vetted. So when a dog comes in that you want or cat. You know, you've, you've already gone through the process. Right, so. right. Yeah, good way to do it. Yeah. So, yeah, make sure you check them out online. Check them out on social media. Either way, support Coastal Pet Rescue. Jerry, thanks so much for being a part of the event and for stopping by the podcast. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Dee. Corcoran Austin Hill Realty has been proud to host this along with Location Gallery and, of course, some wonderful people, including American uh, America's Second Harvest. And we've got Coastal Pet Rescue here. We've got uh, artist Michelle Perez. And we also have Stephanie... Ezel from the Blood Connection, um, and it's been a joy having you guys as well. I know there are so many wonderful things going on uh, this time of year around Savannah, so it's a busy weekend. Absolutely, um, everybody's getting super psyched for uh, St. Patrick's Day, and you see a lot of green out there today, which is kind of fun. But it's also a weekend to bring awareness to what you guys have going on. Tell everybody about the Blood Connection and and what you all do, and how important it is for people to know what you're doing in our community. Well. At the Blood Connection, we are a community provider, and we were actually invited into the community by the local hospitals to help meet the need that wasn't being met. So we have been here for uh, quite a while now, and we're looking to expand our market. And the reason it's important for us to be here is the Blood Connection doesn't need blood. 
patients in hospitals need blood. And we need to make sure that we're doing our community responsibility service of giving that blood because it can't be manufactured. Right. And, you know, I think a lot of people that have never done it before, never given blood and they want to and they've thought about it or they've seen something somewhere, you know, they have kind of some thoughts in their mind about, oh, gosh, you know, am I going to be, you know, too tired all day? Am I, you know, what if I didn't have enough to eat or, you know, all of that sort of thing? I know you want to answer those questions so they can really know, hey, it's okay and you can do it. Absolutely. And it's really funny that you uh, say that because there are three main reasons people don't donate blood. Believe it or not, fear of needles is actually number three. Mm. Number two is because it's not convenient. But the number one reason is because they've never been asked. In most cases, people donate blood um, when you see advertisements for donate, uh, blood donations and so forth, for the most part, people that are already donating are who come out to donate blood. Right. Um, what we're trying to, the message we're trying to deliver is that 62% of the population can give, only about 3% does give. Oh, wow. So it's because they've never been asked, they don't know they're needed. Uh, One of the things that I like to share is when there's a national disaster like a hurricane or, heaven forbid, something like 9-11, people come out in droves to help the community. But what they don't stop and think about is personal disasters like open heart surgery, like sickle cell, like major car accidents, cancer, leukemia. Those are personal disasters that happen every day in our lives. And from my perspective, um, it's very different for me because my aunt used almost 250 blood products during her treatment for leukemia. Oh, wow. She was O positive and we're all A positive. Her father was the only O positive donor and he had already passed. So our family relied completely upon the community to provide my aunt with her needs. And that's why... We like to educate because you never know when it's going to be you yourself or someone you care about who's going to have that need. Yeah. And I think you're right. A lot of people don't uh, think about it on that personal level because it might not have touched their family, right? Or right. their friend group. And and you do think about it a lot during those big disasters. And you you think, oh gosh, you know, as a community, we should step up and give a whole lot right now. And, and, and then that's great. But I think the ongoing need is something that people just don't realize. They really don't. And it's, it's a very high number. Every two seconds, someone in the United States needs blood. Wow. Every two seconds. And unfortunately, blood just like milk has an expiration date. Uh, When you give a whole unit of blood, we collect red cells, platelets, and plasma. Red cells only live 42 days, so we're down to about 39 after testing. Mm. Um, We can uh, freeze plasma for up to a year, but platelets only live five to seven days. So, And platelets, our number one user of uh, platelets are our cancer patients. Oh, wow. So when we have shortage of platelets, it's it's a real challenge to meet our hospital commitments. Because again, blood connection doesn't need blood. It's patients in hospitals that need blood. Right. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I know a lot of people are very interested in in figuring out how they can find somewhere to give blood. You know, Mm -hmm. what what's that process like as far as how they can kind of see a calendar of how that's going on? It's really easy. You can go to thebloodconnection.org slash donate and it will you put in your zip code and it'll pull up anything. Uh, available within your community. Wow, that is super easy. I know, you yes. know, even over the weekend, you guys had uh, other places 
that you were, you know, set up for people to give blood. And, and it's so important that, you know, people sort of just take a look maybe at the beginning of the month and say, okay, this is the weekend I can do it, or this is the day I can do it. Absolutely. And people can give every 56 days. The average donor of, of that 3% of the people that donate, the average donor donates less than twice a year. And if every person in the United States who is eligible were to donate just twice a year, we would never have blood shortages. Mm. And what a lot of people don't realize is in about an hour of your time, you can save up to three lives. But in that hour of time, you could make a difference in somebody else's lifetime. Wow. That's a, that's a big deal. And you're absolutely right. Um, I know a lot of people also, you know, think, okay, this is, this is a wonderful thing for me to do in my community. Where does it go when I give blood? You know, how does it get to where it needs to get? And like, what's that process is, you know, in Savannah, does it go to a particular hospital or what, what's that process? Uh, We do service the hospitals here in the area. Like I said, we were invited in um, because the need was not being met completely. So we have been invited in to help uh, fill the gaps and the needs that were there. Yeah. And I, you know, I think it's just an unbelievable thing to be able to give life to someone. give to someone's lifetime, like you said, and you think about, you know, the countless number of people in the hospital right now. And you think about children that are in the hospital right now, you think about a serious accident and the loss of blood. And it's just so many things to think about with it that I think if we all stopped for a second and actually thought about it, you'd realize, wow, the need is huge and ongoing. Ongoing and huge are two very accurate descriptions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, do I get a cookie after this interview? No, I don't know. I mean, I just... (laughs) So you still do cookies, right? <laughs> uh, we, we do snacks. We have juices and snacks of several different okay, varieties. All right, so all right. it might be a cookie. It might be uh, chips. Or so it just Perfect. depends on what your desire is. What you're into. Um, well, I like that. And I, I love the fact that uh, that you make the process easy. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, I think that's that's one thing, too. If, you know, people think it's too difficult to do something, they're like, <laughs> ah, you know, they're frustrated by that. And they're like, ah, I don't want to do it. But you make it an easy process. We absolutely make it an easy process. And, you know, for those who are out there who do have that fear of needles, I would just ask um, to stop and think about those personal disasters that might happen in your life. Something as simple as childbirth. Mm. There was a young lady recently who um, used over 20 units of blood and we only have eight to 12 in our bodies. Right. And this young lady used over 20 during childbirth, which, mm. you know, most, most people think is routine and simple, but if it were not for blood donors, who roll up their sleeves, that mother may not have been here. That's right. That's absolutely right. What about volunteers? You know, I know a lot of people also want to help or do something or how can, you know, someone help in a bigger picture too, not just the giving blood? Well, a lot of people can't give blood. Like I said, 62% can. So there are other people who can't, who wish they could help in other ways and they can volunteer. They can do things like you're doing right now. This is helping us spread the word. Uh, You can host a blood drive. You can help volunteer, um, you know, make phone calls to recruit donors. You can uh, spread the word and many hands make light work. So Mm. the more people we have that are out there spreading our message, 
the better it will be. Yeah, that makes a difference. Um, well, Stephanie, thank you so much. We are very, very happy and very lucky, grateful to have uh, the blood connection in our community and so happy to be a part of spreading the word and, and bringing more awareness. So thank you for taking the time and explaining it all because it's really important work that you're doing. Absolutely. And we really appreciate the invite and helping us to spread that word. Well, thank, thank you, you so Dave. much. Check them out. Uh, the bloodconnection.org is Correct. the best place to go. Yes. Bloodconnection.org slash donate will take you right to anywhere you'd like to go. Perfect. Stephanie, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you.